Town Hall Academy, episode 58. You, you have to care. You got to care about more than your bottom line. You got to care about their growth because I really believe your growth is their growth. The more you develop them, it starts to build because you just can't do everything that we do, what me and Ryan do. You, you can't do from day one. I mean, it's taken us 23 years to get to where we're at. And really, it's the last five years that made the biggest difference where and now it, it gains traction. You get bigger. It's just like a snowball. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, friends and aftermarket professionals from North America and around the world to Town Hall Academy number 58 on how to become the employer of choice. You have an opportunity to listen to three of your aftermarket colleagues who will share their perspective on our subject. We opened up some great thinking pathways to help you improve your culture, which is the core of being a place where people want to work. Thanks to Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support in bringing you these weekly lessons. At Jasper, quality and customer service is their number one goal. Their associates take pride in their work and it shows in the quality drivetrain products they produce. Their quality and customer service has kept them growing for 75 years. Find the show notes where the talking points are already outlined for you. Find extended bios and links to my guests' previous episodes at remarkableresults.biz slash A058. And welcome new Facebook friends, Patrick Howard, Mark McGuire, Peter Ravernier, David Graber, and Nikki Fritschke. Find all my social links and the free insider newsletter that keeps you in touch with every remarkable story at remarkableresults.biz slash social. I hope your daily commute and or exercise time is all about the Aftermarket's premier talk radio podcast. Get ready for Ryan Clove from Dubworks in Cincinnati, Ohio, Dwayne Myers from Dynamic Automotive in Frederick, Maryland, and Barry Barrett, Director of Training at RLO. We talk the extreme importance of creating and having a great business culture. We talk career ladders, putting your people front and center in your business, pay, reputation, and a lot more. Now, enjoy how to become the employer of choice. Well, look at guys, um, how to become the employer of choice. I think, Ryan, I want to ask you first, first let's define uh, what is employer of choice. One of the hot topics these days is the lack of technicians specifically or just people in our industry. So uh, in the interest of helping solve that problem in a couple ways, I think, a, you know, um, being an employer of choice is going to give you a better shot at those few people. Um, but also being an employer of choice, improving your business is going to help bring the industry up as a whole. Uh, when we talk about the the image problem that our industry has, we're trying to not more, not just make your shop an employer of choice, but make the automotive industry an employer of choice. So, uh, you know, and as far as defining that, I think, uh, a couple of basics would be less uh, turnover in your staff. Uh, no one loves turnover. It's costly, uh, re- retraining and all of that. Um, I think you have fewer headaches, you know, managing, um, you know, staff. If, if, if you're the employer of choice, you're getting the, the, the cream of the crop, so to speak. Um, mostly I think your customers, your customers are going to benefit from having the best staff you can get, um, uh, 
I was reading an online post about someone who was complaining about the price. And I think a lot of people just don't realize that those, those shops that are really price competitive don't have the best people because they don't have the money to pay them. So uh, definitely, uh, I usually look at it as a win-win for everyone, but definitely the customers are going to um, you know, benefit from being an employer of choice, as do we and the industry. Thanks for that, Ryan. Um, I had the privilege this past Sunday, uh, a week ago almost now, to lead a town hall panel at Vision. And it was about the shop of the future. Are you ready? And uh, man, I tell you, we're, we're releasing it, by the way, Tuesday as a podcast. So whoever wasn't at Vision is going to be able to hear this incredible panel. And Ryan and, and, and Barry and Dwayne, boy, so many of the things I believe we're going to talk about came out in that, and they didn't come out, and they, they came out from peers and colleagues of yours talking about what's necessary to grow the our businesses by having the right talent inside the business, and oh, by the way, paying them with the right money and benefits. And the numbers that were being thrown around there were, uh, were you know, they're going to be unbelievable to the majority of our industry, but there's an awful lot of top shop owners that have no problem paying Based on what, and I'm going to tease you, and you're just going to go out and listen to it, and and listen listen to the number, Dwayne. What's the benefits to you and your company to be the centerpiece in your marketplace, the employer of choice? Tenure would, be, would definitely be a a big one. I mean, we just this last year we just had five of our team members were with us for ten years, which was a big milestone for us. Uh, we're very proud of it, but. The customers like to see the same people, and when you build that culture of, of development, and, and the benefit uh, to me is it just builds the brand and the business. Um, when you have the same people that are all going the same direction with the same vision, they know what you're doing and what you want to do, and, and they get on the they get on the bus with you and they go, and and it helps us grow and build, and, and it helps our customers better because they actually uh, get better service. They find they see the value in what we're doing more. Um, basically being that, that employer of choice, you know, we get the best people, you know, and then we make them better. You know, we work together to make them even better. I get it. By the way, four locations, Dwayne? Yeah, four. You're doing an awful lot to bring in young people into the industry, into, into your business. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, we're planning to have a, a an interview down the road here with a uh, the Labor Secretary of, of Maryland, because you're working closely with the apprentice programs, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited about that, and we just can't talk about that enough. You know, the whole story, I think, Ryan, you may have mentioned it just a bit earlier. You know, whatever shortage we have, if it's top talent, if it's great service writers, if it's technicians, I think the industry is finally coming to terms with the fact that we're going to have to grow our own and, and, and Dwayne, you're doing it. Ryan, I know you're doing it. And Barry, you're out there preaching it. So we've got a really a perfect, perfect team here. Barry, core values. I think I heard a little bit of that, you know, in reference with Ryan and Dwayne. So let's just don't, don't talk about it. Just be it. Right. Right. That's what I do. I say, don't just talk about core values. You got to be about it. You know, I've got two kids and at home, if I just talk about learning, talk about reading, talk about growing, and they just sit, sit there and watch me watch epi- every episode of Scandal on Netflix, they're going to do that. But if I'm actually reading and learning, they're going to do that. So your employees are no different. But any great family 
starts with a list of core values. And I believe that businesses should strive to be a great family and make people feel like they're a part of it. Some of that comes with discipline and accountability and all those adult words. So it starts with your core values. And I believe that if you have three to five really strong core values, then you're going to make a difference. And so when I say that, you also have to, the problem with most people's core values is they will say they believe this and then it, they never define it. They never tell stories about that core value. And if you'd like me to give me some examples, I can. I'd love to hear one. So if you say that trust is a, tr- a core value and it's like, well, we trust this. Well, what does that mean for your company? So you tell a story about a customer who came in. So one time we had a customer that had $1,500 in their glove, glove box, right? And so we open up the glove box. You see that because we were searching for uh, records and they authorized us to go in there and look for the records. Well, we called them back and they said, hey, listen, there's $1,500 in your glove box. We're going to put this in our safe until you get here trust. So we tell that story in it for any new employee and say, that's why we know that we can point to the, the fact that trust is a big deal and how we live it. Just an example. I love it. Guys, let me interrupt. Um, I want to show you a book I'm reading. I can't put it down. Gina Wickman, Traction. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, so this was sent to me by a, a listener you know, because they, they hear us talk about this all the time. And, you know, what I almost feel about this book is it, it feels like the, the follow-up to Emeth. In here is an assessment of the core values as it relates to each individual in the company, if they pass or fail based on, as you said, Barry, those core values. And, and, and I, so I'm just going to recommend that. It is, to me, the how-to book on how to run your company. So why do you think that I have this in front of me? That's it. You don't know this about me, but I'm actually an implementer of the EOS system. No. Wow, I'm reading it. And and so here, wow, Barry, we are connecting, aren't we? Oh, wow. So (laughs) We didn't even know. know, We did did not even know. So, uh, you know, it's just that I, I can't put the book down, Barry. I think it's so good. And Barry, while I have you on and you're the expert at this, isn't this a great book for every shop owner to be reading? If you don't understand your core values and you don't really get them down to the definition, that's where it all starts. And I think these two gentlemen, when I say, you know, one has two shops, one has what, five shops or something. I mean, look, there's no way they, that they don't understand their core values or they couldn't grow to that level. And then, you know, you start with your focus. So just in that book, it's the eight questions that we all start with. I, I was listening to somebody the other day and they had like 50 page business plan. And I mean, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, I'm just not that intelligent. I, I, I couldn't do that. So I have a two page business plan that has eight questions and that's how you grow that business so that it's not confused because as Donald Miller will tell you, you know, if you confuse, you lose. And with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center, Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you, when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, 
you're you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's it's not for everybody, and you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. So, guys, open question. How do we get uh, service advisors and technicians to beat a path to our door? I think there's several areas that stand out. I think uh, recognizing that A players want to work with other A players is a pretty big one. So team selection, I think that's one of the one of the roles as an owner that I have kept. I mean, owners do all different kinds of, of roles within their companies. There's no standard, but I'm very involved in the hiring process. I want to be very choosy about the team. And, you know, I like a lot of other shop owners, you know, I've had some people that didn't work out and kind of knowing how long to stick it out with somebody, you know, but uh, yeah, the, the team building is just a huge part of that. And I think the human, the whole human resources side of it is an area that our industry needs to have a little more guidance in, you know, how to, I don't know where to look, how to write good ads, how to screen people, how to interview, um, you know, how to kind of, um, you know, weed out and get that really, really great crew. Because um, when somebody, you know, new comes in that you really want, I mean, even if you get them, I mean, if your existing crew isn't, isn't tight knit, you know, that's going to be an issue. Vetting, I think I heard him say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Carm, I think that, you know, the technician world and the, and the service advisor world, they all know each other, you know, the, the, the community, you know, through training and all, and when they go to training, they get to know each other. They talk shop amongst each other. And, and I really feel that if, if you get your team and you communicate with them what your vision is, you know, and, and if you want to grow, you know, we want to grow. We're a growing company. I tell people that. And, and knowing that when they come on board with us, they have the opportunity uh, to grow with us, to move up in the company, you know, out of those five people that hit 10 years last year, four of them are location managers. They run those locations. Uh, they are uh, key to where we're heading. They have input in the direction we're going and everyone sees it. They all know it, you know, and they know that, you know, if we add another one, you know, someone's going to get promoted from within or someone will be added to the team. Um, but they have a key part of what we're doing and not everybody wants to own a shop. Everybody doesn't want to put all everything they have into the, the risk in, in it, but a lot of them want to try leading one. And, and we encourage that. We tell them, you know, train your replacement. You know, when you get somebody below you, teach them your job. That way you can move up in the company and it keeps growing together. And people like that. And, and you know, the right people like that. And that's the people I want to work with me. Carm, I'd like to build on that. Like Dwayne just hit this nail on the head and, and I try to impress upon people, you know, people, I, I train these service advisors think, well, what if I train them and they just go open up their own shop? And Help them. I think Henry Ford <laughs> said, um, if, you know, I'd rather train someone and, and lose them than not train them and keep them. And so that's a big deal. 
So to build on that point, almost no one, I get asked that question all the time. Why don't you own a shop? Well, because that's not what I'm made for. My brother owns a shop. I helped him build that. That's great. That's his dream. I have no desire, just put on the record, to own a shop. Zero. And so I would rather, you know, you need a strong number two. I love being a really awesome number two. Not many people want to be a number one. It's a lot of pressure, right, Ryan and Dwayne? And so people want to be your strong number two. So when they come in and what Dwayne said so eloquently is, is valued. They want to be valued. And then what he did is he, he delegated and elevated. And so is Ryan, I'm sure. Yeah, I think there's a there's a balance between uh, you know a store owner and a manager where they each take on some of the responsibilities. And uh, having grown my shop, I've done both, and that's tough. I mean, if you're in the day to day, maybe being a service advisor or a technician, and you're trying to do the ownership stuff, you know, that's tough. Uh, having that split up it just takes a lot of pressure off. You know, I think on some sense. You know, a store manager can come in and, and know that if they take care of the day-to-day stuff, you know, the other stuff, the risk or the behind-the-scenes stuff is going to get taken care of. Or, you know, I can step in if there's a really, you know, unpleasant situation and help. And vice versa, I know that I can take the time because some of these tasks that, you know, an owner does are, are a little more long-reaching. They take focus. I got to sit down for a few hours and not be distracted, you know, with the day-to-day stuff. So the balance really works out well. And I think, you know, kind of like what Dwayne was saying, I think, I think a lot of these people, they want to feel engaged. They want to take some ownership. And I think that's a huge, uh, you know, piece of, of keeping good people is, you know, giving them some, I mean, if you've built that good team and then you've put them in place, but if they feel empowered, if they have the resources to do their job, they know what it is. I mean, is there a chain of command? Yes. Uh, but I think a lot of times it doesn't have to feel that way. If you have a bunch of A players that are all kind of working together, um, yeah, it doesn't have to feel that way. Hey, guys, I'm a young shop owner. I'm at it three years now. I'm thinking of getting a business coach, struggling struggling a little bit. Never realized how tough it was to be a businessman. I was a great tech, but I'm struggling a little bit. How do I, as a small guy with a, you know, a couple of techs, maybe a service writer, really start to implement the right culture? Yeah, you have to care. You got to care about more than your bottom line. You got to care about their growth because I really believe your growth is their growth. The the more you develop them, um, it starts to build because you just can't do everything that we do, what me and Ryan do. You, you can't do from day one. I mean, it's taken us 23 years to get to where we're at. And really, it's the last five years that made the biggest difference where and now it, it gains traction. You get bigger. It's just like a snowball. And and it, we can do more. But really, I think the first thing you do is is just help develop them by teaching them. When, when Paul, Paul who, who runs your banner store where I'm normally at, uh, he took over two years ago when Bob went to our newest location when we opened it, and uh, he was a technician, excellent technician, one of the best I've ever met. And he uh, he sat across from me, and I told him that, look, I'm going to teach you and help you grow, and I'm going to teach you everything I know, and I'm going to introduce you to everybody I know, and I'm going to help develop you as much as I can. So you will know if you ever decided to leave, you could do this yourself. You know, of course, he's like, I don't want to leave. You know, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, I'm just letting you know that I'm going to teach you absolutely everything I can so that you know, you can do this, that, you know, you'll have it. Guys, hold that thought. I know Barry and Ryan, you'd love to say something, but I got to go a little deeper with Dwayne. Has it ever happened? Has, have you ever helped anybody start their own shop yet? Actually, I have a, a really good friend of mine that, that uh, left to go start a, a mobile repair business. Okay. And he's been, uh, he's actually gained some traction and started to be successful at it. 
Um, most don't want to. Most don't want to take the chance. And if they did, you would do everything in your power to help this person be successful. Yes. It raises the industry, which means I don't have to fight somebody for charging $60 an hour, you know, and, and losing money. I'm like, bring, you know, educate all of us and we'll all do better. This came up at the town hall that you're going to hear on the podcast on Tuesday at, at Vision. And uh, I think your name was dropped, actually, at that moment in time. I can't remember where it was, but it was Chris Chesney who may have, who may have said that. And, and let me tell you an, an opinionated piece that I came out of vision with. We, you know, we were in a, this kind of a very casual roundtable, and someone said, well, the tech shortage. And I said, let's not talk about that. There are solutions out there. Hopefully, you are all part of the solutions. And then there was a lack of really, really good training, and that was, you know, it, it's possible that that's a great debate to have. And then the next thing that hit me, you all, was the lack of the e, the entrepreneurial technician that wants to take over the boomers' businesses. And, 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 and I actually said that right straight out, in, you know, where there's 500 people in this, in this breakfast at Vision, and I said, you know, raise your hand if you're a tech, you know, you've got to be able to take care of the boomers' businesses. You, you've got to be committed. And the shop owners today, like you're doing, Dwayne, have to help at this thing. So if, if they are working at a place where they are, you are the employer of choice and they want to move up, just think what you could be teaching our, our young people in our industry about what they're going to need to do to take over because the independents have got to survive and we and we can't we can't wait for a I'm sorry I'm on my little soapbox here guys but we can't wait for someone to go in and and, t- and start a business and and 10 years to try to be successful they've got to be successful sooner and better and quicker and faster and that's my point and I guess the value that the podcast the Town Hall Academy is that you're all bringing to rise all ships in this industry and I'm done with my piece but that's almost it, it this this employer of choice thing is driving that my decision, the way I'm thinking about our future. Say, you know, say Paul left, you know, and it, it, that would, I, won't, I don't want to say it would be devastating. That would definitely put a wrinkle on it because Paul's a key player. But if he left, you know, um, I'd wish him well. I'd help him because we definitely would remain friends, but I, I would help him, help coach him, you know. But my benefit losing him is I have 35 other people that saw what I, we did together. And then there's a whole community that knows that, hey, you know, if I go work for Dwayne, if I really want to do this, he's going to help me, you know, and that's all part of it. You can't be selfish and just help him for your benefit. You got to help him for the team's benefit. Back to my original question. I'm a small guy, Ryan. How can I really get started implementing this? I think that's one of the great questions. Uh, I mean, you know, you can kind of look at the the end product and and where you want to get, but you know, in the beginning, you're not going to have the budget to do everything that you can. Uh, so prioritizing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's... <laughs> I, I, I just had a thought. Can I share it with you? Sure, yeah. Think that you are an incubator. How's that? Meaning you're growing service advisors and technicians and managers in your small little business to take over for you someday and or to start their own place. And if I could teach them all of this great stuff, my business will be great too. And I'm not going to have to wait five years to make these little tiny steps. So when someone's, when a business is small and you want to start out a business and we started uh, the, our automotive business, or it's my brother's automotive business. We started it about seven and a half years ago. So it's not like I've been, even been in this business long. And so we started on day one 
But the really the key to it was we understood the roles and responsibilities of each position. Now, he was doing three positions and I was doing three positions. But when you start to put down the four or five things that really matter in those positions, you can start to put verbs in your sentences. So the service advisor, what five things are they responsible for? The technician, what five things are they responsible for, right? And you create roles and responsibilities of each position, even if they don't exist in your company yet. When you bring someone on that does that position, you can say, here is the beginning SOP for your position. These are the five things that you're responsible for. If you find me pulling you away from those five, look at me in respect and ask this question. Hey, Barry, if I do that, what other of these responsibilities do you want to to be neglected? What do I need to deprioritize in order to do that? I love what he's saying, guys. I've heard that story before. Was it like Seven Habits or one of them? They had something like that. That is straight from essentialism, but it's probably in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh I think you just broke the code. Um, you need to run your business as if it was a big business and bigger than it actually is. You need to have that plan in your mind. So no matter how small you are, if you think large, act large, lead and manage large, you will become. Right. So you have to have an accountability chart. You have to have tools. I don't want to mislead the audience and say you will become large. Being large isn't, isn't, isn't important. You don't have to have a large business. You have to have a successful, profitable business that attracts great talent. And, and that could be any size business. I, I'm just using the word large and you know, in growing from your heart, growing from within, growing your culture. Excellence. Guys, it's not all about pay, is it? You're not the preferred shop because you, you pay well, is it? I've had great technicians come to me to make less money. Granted, you got to, you have to pay them. Don't get me wrong. You've got to pay them well, but it goes back to development. I really think that that is key. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it comes from caring. Of course you care for them, but then uh, if you develop them, you send them the training, you teach them and, and you ask them, you know, you, you just don't do a review. You do, it's like a, we call it a roadmap review and it's all about goals. You know, it's the goals that, in the last review, did you meet them? Did you not meet them? Um, what What are your next set of goals? You know, it's not you know a number rating. It, it's it's all about a goal. Where are you heading at? Uh, and, and you want to get everybody heading in the same direction, even if one's going to be a service writer that wants to be a location manager, another one is a a C tech that wants to be an A tech. I mean, if you look out for their future, I, I think that's going to get you what you want. So, Carm, real quick, there's never been a person that got hired at our shop that didn't take a pay cut. Not one, including me, Mike, our service advisors, all technicians, everyone that has ever worked for our shop, Auto Excel, has taken a pay cut. Now, I hope that doesn't always happen, right? I had one guy, and he I'm not originally from the automotive industry. I'm from the home improvement. So one of my salespeople from Home Improvement, I called him up and said, hey, I need a service advisor, a salesperson. Can you come on? Sold his car and took an, an extra job to work for us. That's culture. That's who you are. They don't work for a paycheck. I've got another shop. He has nine locations. And I won't tell you who he is, but he doesn't pay top dollar. But he treats everyone in those nine locations like they're owners. 
in this framework. Super successful. But the package is good. Yes, they feel safe. People want to feel safe first. They want to be understood, accepted, and feel safe. When do you when they feel safe, the problem is is like ninety percent of employees don't feel safe. Dwayne took a pay cut too. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you got to listen to one of his episodes, and uh, yeah, he tells the story. It's a, it's a, it's a great great. Before he was ever a partner, before he he ever had ownership, he took a chance. I, I think you got to believe in who you're working with. And, and if you're doing the right thing and, and you have the right culture, people see your vision, they're going to give something up to get on board that train. You know, it's to me that that brings value. I mean, yeah, you, you can have your 401k, your, your time off. You know, it is a package. Pay is a big part of it. But if, if, if that's the only reason you're with me, you probably don't belong when I train with me. You know, I want the person that wants to grow with me, not someone that just is up here making top dollar. You know, I want my guys and girls taken care of. I want them to make good money, but I, I really want them to grow more than anything. Okay, guys, feed me. Besides pay, what, what, what do our people care about? I feel like a lot of people, I mean, not just in our industry, they all, they want to know that there's room for growth. And I think, it can especially be a challenge for technicians who view their, their position as a little bit more static. But I just see it uh, as a person who works with hiring, you know, that people, they want to know that there's something there. So I think you have like an off the shelf culture, like we want to be one of the best shops out there and you're selling these people on this vision and that makes them feel, you know, good about the company, but are we growing? Are we changing? Um, and I don't know, just to speak to the, the monetary thing. I mean, you know, it may not be the, the first thing on people's list, um, I don't know. I think if you're if you are doing a lot of things right, um, you shouldn't have an issue, you know, uh, being higher on the pay scale. Um, and if you're a smaller shop and you can't afford, you know, one of the best guys, then, you know, that's a reality too. I mean, uh, we're going to do a little bit of training. Um, I don't know. There've been a, there've been some interesting things that I've and I can't think of all of them at the moment. But shops do. I can think of an owner that you know, buys lunch every day, or another one that I actually cook every day. Um, we're organizing a paintball event for our shop coming up the next couple of weeks, just stuff to do that's fun that makes it feel like, I don't know, like we spent all these time with these people. I mean, um, so if hopefully you've done a good job of, of getting a good group of people in there, you have these things that are valued in addition to the money where there's some kind of future happening here. You know, there's, I like this shop, their vision, uh, they're buying new equipment. They're, they're getting the training out there. I've got this good group of people, um, that the, you know, the management has spent time, you know, not just, okay, we need to tech, let's just hire the first one who comes in kind of thing. Um, and if, if there's a bad apple, you know, we're not willing, you know, we're not afraid of letting them go kind of thing. So, uh, there definitely are some, I don't know, intangibles. Um, and then there's other things, you know, a lot of our the culture of our shop is an, is an enthusiast culture. So we had a, a bay in the back of the shop. It's kind of a non-production bay. So, Hey, if you want to work on your, your high performance project, you know, you can disable it on this rack and don't feel bad about it. Um, we do, uh, parts at cost for any of their, uh, any of their personal cars, some shops, you know, mark up parts, you know, even for the staff. Um, and, uh, yeah, coming in after hours, stuff like that. I mean, if, if you need a little bit of flexibility, hey, I got a doctor's appointment this day. It's like, hey, come in, make your hours up somewhere else kind of thing, you know, for technicians. So. I'm so glad you said that. I interviewed Mark Roberts a few weeks ago. He learned the hard way about family growing up and sometimes not seeing his kids the way he should. And so 
when he started his shop, he made it a rule that you never missed a family event ever, no matter where in the country. So his partner, his manager, happens to uh, have a son that plays hockey. Uh, he, he's in he's in uh, Texas, the son plays hockey in Virginia, and he flies there twice, uh, twice a month to see his son. And it doesn't matter what you have going on with family at school or at play or anything. He says, book it. We'll book around you. And his big premise was, guess what? You go because no one will die because you're not here. And he says, what's the worst thing that could happen if you're not here? We're gonna, and everybody works harder, and it is a team. And, and I loved what you said, Ryan, and let me challenge this family. The, you said the word family, or if you didn't say it, I think you did. I, I wrote it down. And then I wrote the words, add to next to it. Add to your family. If this means so much, if this is where you spend a third of your life and you have to bring on someone, you're going to hire right, but you're also going to look at that person, right, Barry? They're going to look you in the eye and you're going to know. I, I, I have the responsibility to add to the family. So here's the thing, and, and, and uh, somebody messaged in, and I need to clear this up. Everyone in our, 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 our shop started out with a, a pay cut. Now, last year, everyone, without exception, made more money than they ever made before. So let's clear that up. Good. Because um, you do. You, you As you grow, they grow. And so to build on what Ryan said a while ago about these different things, people want a purpose. Like every going over everybody. I've trained over a thousand people this year, last year. And every one of them, without almost without fail, they want a purpose for their life, and they want to know that their work matters. And when we don't feel like our mat our work matters, it used to be public speaking was the number one fear. It is actually living the life of not of not a purpose. So two quotes come to mind, and Carmen, you know, I'm a lo- I, lo- I love quotes. One was by Helen Keller. She said, "The only thing worse than having no sight is having no vision." And she would know, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's Henry David Thoreau. He said that most men live a life of quiet desperation and they die with their dreams still in their heart. So we go to work with no purpose and with people that we don't like. And we and that is literally a third of your life. And every CEO of every shop in America can change that. Everyone, because you have to cast the And that's what this story is about. Ryan, if, if you're getting ready to hire an A player who's really coming to you and says, listen, I got to work here. This is the place. You, you don't look for a pay cut. You just say, basically, this is what I'm paying. Have, have Has anyone ever come to work for you, Ryan, and earned actually more money? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, in my personal experience, I think a lot of people want to make a move up. Uh, and I've, I've maybe had one, I can think of one hire that didn't work out. I do think, um, you know, if your culture is really great, that's awesome. And I think, you know, some people will take a pay cut to do that. I do think it's something to use a little bit of caution in because sometimes I don't want to say people are desperate, but like, hey, I need a job. And if someone's really overqualified, I think ideally people are on this ladder where they're kind of moving up in their career. And, you know, our shop could be a step in that ladder and we don't expect, I mean, I'm happy if you want to stay five, 10 years, but um, some of our guys have gone on. You know, one guy's a master Bentley technician, got trained in England. Another guy went to work for one of our vendors. So 
Um, and that's fine, all, but people do want to take a step up. And so I would just, um, I don't know, I'd want to ask a little more questions or get a little more about, you know, what was really important to an applicant if they were, I want to say taking a step down, but taking a pay cut. Um, and I think we have had some people, you know, who took a pay cut. And uh, we've definitely had some that, you know, uh, made more than what they were making. And you, know, you want to ask them, what did you not like about your past job? And if they say, hey, I'm just, you know, just not making enough money and, and you're not, you can't offer that. And then you just, Hey, well, I'm not going to waste your time or mine. Uh, but I think identifying what's important to them uh, is a pretty key, key component there. So today we're able to hire based on like market value, you know, seven years, you know, in the beginning. Right. So, that, and I think that's what Ryan was speaking to, right, Ryan? Like once you get to the level, you can hire on market value. Like the policy isn't bring in for less pay. The policy is if we have the money, so once you have the money, you can hire at mar- above market value. I think, you know, you're going to be somewhere along your path. And if you are a smaller shop and maybe you have a smaller budget, then, yeah, you might not take the master tech from the dealer or the head right. service advisor. Um, and that's an opportunity to, I don't know, we've hired some people outside the automotive industry. At that point, I hire on personality and I will just train you. Um, I mean, you can, you can train just about anything. Personality is a hard thing. So um, we've had some great people that, you know, uh, have become automotive career pre- professionals where they weren't before. So uh, that would be my, that'd be my comment. You know, if, if you own a smaller shop or don't feel like you can afford, you know, when the great ones out there, get the personality and uh, you know, you have to do the training on site. Yeah. Carmen, I think one of the biggest things, skills that an owner can do is work on their listening skills, you know, and uh, both of the, you know, Barry and Ryan are, are right. What, Listen to them and just not the interview. Interview is great, but, you know, as you do each review and all, talk to them. What do you want? You know, and, and like I said, if it's pay, then great. Let's work on making you a six-figure person. Not a problem. You know, I have a lot of guys that, that have young families now. You know, they didn't start with young families. That's why it's good to always keep listening. You know, I, I push my computer monitor to the side when they come in and sit in my office. I want them to have 100% of my time. And they have families, and now it's time off, you know, or – uh, basically, you've been with me seven years. You get pretty much a week off, full pay. You know, do what you you know to spend time with your family. An event comes up, go to it. You know, uh, you know what? Even better, invite me. I'd love to go. Um, we, we try to get to know the families. That's one good thing about you know, like we have cornhole tournaments, we do picnics, we're getting ready to go to amusement park. About eighty of us are going to go because we're taking the families too. I want to spend time with the wives, with the kids. I really want to get to know them. Because, you know, I, I know the team, but I, I want to I know the rest of them because, quite honestly, it, it's, that's what makes the family, the package. There's that word again. That F word, family. Mm. Uh, I also wrote down the word. I, I'm sorry I share this with you, but you see, this, that's what goes on in my head every time I get in, engaged with, with my team. I wrote down the word ladder. And I don't know if one of you said it, but I wrote down the word ladder, and and and, and it, here's what it means to me. No matter what size shop I am, and just just say I'm a small shop, hiring a new team member is one step in the ladder of his life. Is one step in the ladder of my business because so many of you could look back and say, you know, I've I've had a dozen great people that have come here and gone. They've helped my business. Sometimes some of them were great fits, some of them weren't. But um they they're they're going through their ladder. Just like you mentioned, Ryan, some of them want to want to always take that that step up. 
And I think you you said that, and I wrote down the word ladder. So don't be don't be afraid of that. Now, how do we, you know, being that magnet is it's really about building reputation. Um, I rem- I, I'll never forget. Uh, he, I think it was Patrick McHugh who I interviewed. He had this open house, and he invited um, some techs end up showing up from competing shops, and they they came over to his place. And I don't remember the exact circumstance, but one one guy he's a BMW specialist. One guy came in. Um, I guess he was working at a dealership, and he says, "This is going to be my bay." <laughs> Well, he was hired within two weeks, <laughs> and so I guess his reputation, the, the the image of his place, just just made made him a magnet. How do we grow our reputation? I think, you know, in addition to the the typical stuff, you know, online review generation, um, having a system and process for that. Um, yeah, people do want to work at a shop that you know, they can be proud of, and. Um, as far as getting the word out there reputation-wise, too, I think constant recruiting, even when you're not hiring, we'll have an ad out that just says accepting resumes. And, you know, we'll get – because it's all about timing. You're, you're getting the timing to line up of someone who's looking and you're hiring, but sometimes they just don't happen to be looking at that moment. So um, you kind of generate a list of potential candidates who might like to work for you. And I have I have a, such a list and I have a bunch of numbers, but, you know, some of these people have seen my recurring ad and they'll come in and – say, hey, I don't have anything right now. Why don't you stop by? I'd really love to show you the shop. And I think uh, it just kind of helps get the word out about, you know, what we're doing, um, especially if you feel like you've got a shop that, you know, you've been working on and you got a couple of good things in there you really want people to see because they definitely talk. Uh, people in our industry talk and they know what's they know what's out there. Isn't that the key? I mean, you would really have to manage that reputation through the technician's network. Yeah. I think one of the best ways to manage your personal and business reputation with your team and possible future team members is, is do what you say, you know, follow through with what you're going to do, you know, um, you know, take the time, of course, that and taking the time to talk and listen to, to your team. But when you tell them you're going to do something, just do it. You know, I think that that means a lot to them knowing that Mm -hmm. your word means something. Both of those guys, uh, the word that came to mind was integrity and I, I often think about integrity and it's the, it's different than trust. It's the ability to integrate. So integrating what you say and what you do, I think that's a pretty good summary of that. And man, that's good. Barry, one of your talking points was quarterly reviews and the value that that can have on becoming the employer of choice. So I think my quarterly reviews are going to be different than most people. So what we do and what I like to do when I onboard someone is I have a 16 page dream planner and that dream planner, there's not one mention of our business mentioned in that 16 page plan. That is all about you and your hopes and your dreams and your goals. So when you work there for with us for three months, we sit you down at the end of the quarter and we go down that list and we say, Hey, how are you and your wife and your kids doing here? How much time are you spending on your hobbies that you listed here? Is it less or is it more? Because if it's not more, I might not be doing my job. If it's less, I might be working you too hard. Tell me about that. What does that look like? You had this goal. Are we helping you with that? Um, because you know, when you make more money, we can help you reduce your debt. So are we, are we doing our part? The quarterly review is all about you, Carm, not me. And so when I help you with your goals, you're going to help me with mine and be great. Right. And feel a part of that. That's what quarterly reviews are for me. You guys doing them? 
Yes. We we do and, and ours quarterly is the like I said the roadmap reviews quarterly is is the average. Uh, some team members get more and and they actually I've had some millennials ask me for more because they were uh, missing a part you know they didn't realize that was part of their job duty or they were you know I had one young man that was coming in he wanted to get be on the apprenticeship program and he came and asked me why I said you're five minutes late every day you know and he's like that's that's a problem I'm like yeah you work with the team. It's a problem. And uh, he's like, I'll fix it the next day. And you know what? He, he did. I impressed the heck out of me. I, I was so impressed with him. But he's like, I want to know more. So once a month, we sit down and talk to him. Just so he wants to know that he's heading in the right direction. And then quarterly's average. And then, uh, you know, like a location manager like Paul, he's every six months. But I talk to him every single day. Um, you know, I put more of my effort into him than I do anybody because then it trickles down. Then he does that too. With, with the next group because it's my job to help him. So he gets the most amount of my time. Guys, if I was a business that had set a unique differentiation, something that really made me unique, and um, that perpetuated not only inside the business but outside the business, Barry, would that help me be an employer of choice? Man, um, I talk about it in sales all the time. It's your unique, unique selling proposition, USP. That's what we call it, right? Everybody's heard of that. That's not a new thing. But I think that most people don't know their three uniques. I think that they start talking about all their uniques. And uni, uni means one, okay? So you have to be the only one that does it or perceived to be the only one that does it. That's why we have three. Because, you know, Ryan and Dwayne may, may do two of my uniques, but no one in my market can have all three. So it's, you have internal you know, customers and external and customers. So if I can be unique in, in those three, then the, the employees will come to me that value those three uniques. But until I have properly identified exactly what they are, how are they going to have the GPS to find me? Uniques, Dwayne, uh, Ryan? I love what, what Barry said. That is, uh, I think that's just spot on. Um, I mean, you know, we've already, I think, spoken to some of them, you know, maybe a shop's particular culture, like uh, at the, at my VW Audi shop. I mean, everyone there is kind of enthusiast. And I think you probably get that at some shops, but, you know, we interview some guys that they work on cars and that is not a hobby of them. It's always kind of puzzles me a little bit, but it's out there. So I don't know. We're a little stronger, I think, you know, in that area. I think one another thing that uh, I meant to kind of you know mention before the uh, you know before it's over. And I traveled to a lot of shops, and I think about you know a shop that I would want to work in, and sometimes the physical surroundings. There are a lot of shops out there that are just uh, dark. They don't have any windows. The lighting's poor. Um, I don't want to say they're dirty because everyone has that complaint, you know. But some shops are easier to keep clean. Uh, so I think if we're uh, you know, trying to be an employer of choice. Um, and I don't think it has to take a lot of money. I've seen some really creative, you know, renovations of waiting areas with, you know, certain materials. Um, but I think definitely out in the workshop, uh, good lighting. Uh, that's, a, that's a big one for me. Lighting and windows is just a place that I would want to work at. Um, and workspace. Um, I've definitely seen some shops where we, you know, we go back there and the tech's got a toolbox and the parts are sitting on the floor. Um, <laughs> we went to a restaurant supply store and got some stainless steel, like, you know, kind of prep tables you'd find in a restaurant, find that it holds up pretty well. Um, yeah, so I just, I kind of, you know, take a moment and walk through you know, my shop or a shop and go, is this a place that I'd want to work at? 
you know, people want to have the resources to do their job. I think if you get a great person, you got a great culture, um, but they want to know that if they need something, they've got it, you know, and that could be, you know, a new printer. I mean, it could be any kind of stuff. I think all the guys in my shop know that's part of our culture. Like if there's something I need to do in my job, pretty much without exception, you know, we're going to get it. Um, you know, getting a service advisor, like a dual monitor set up or a little bigger monitor. If it's something that they're going to be using every single day, um, I, I think that that's a, that's a value that we can kind of add into. I, I, I think, think Barry and Brian are that, that on, uh, one, one thing in addition, cause I, I agree with everything you said is, uh, uh, we air conditioned our shops, you know, um, I can't air condition a quick loop at, the, at one end of the building cause it, the doors are just open and closed too often. But, uh, Living through that, those hot summers, all those years and knowing what it does to you, you know, we, we chose, you know, as a company to air condition them and they love it. You know, it just, it means so much to them. Um, it, it, it did, it raised productivity. You know, it definitely, uh, uh, the benefit, definitely uh, the ROI on that was blowed out water. And then, you know, in hot summer, how many techs are going to leave you when they know you're the only uh, independent shop in, in town that, that has air conditioning, you know? It, okay, it's, so it's was, a win-win. That's a retention tool. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, I love the comfort, uh, the comfort piece. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to give you a little preparation notice. We're nearing the end. I'm going to go around the room and I'm going to ask you a question. You guys aren't prepared for this, so here it is. I want your, I want a really good recruitment story from you. Okay, that has everything to do with being the employer of choice. Dwayne, you got anything that could uh, help us? Uh, you know, conclude this. I'm going to go with the, the earlier part of someone's uh, part in this industry. I'm going to go with apprenticeship, and I'm going to keep it short because I don't want to talk too much because we're going to be doing this again in a, in a couple of months. But uh, we used to have a problem getting young talent, and especially in our quick loop. Uh, quick loop, uh, we have a lot of high school students that, that work with, with some more senior people, uh, and we were having a hard time getting them. So we, we worked on um, apprenticeship programs where we actually gave them career paths. And ways for them to get to different levels in the industry, set up pay structures, brought the, the CTC students, the career and technology students out to the shop, did tours, told them what this industry was and where they could go. And ever since then, I, I have a full bucket of, of talent wanting to work for me. And, and it, did, uh, it did a lot of people good that work here that heard young minds saying, if I would work there, this would be great. This is the place I want to work. And man, that does your heart good. You know, I love this industry and to hear a young mind want to enter it because they think that it's great. It, it's wonderful. So I don't have a void there. If anything, I have a waiting line of, of young talent. And uh, I think that recruitment is important for our future. Barry, let me give you the, the second word, a great recruitment story. Yeah, we uh, the, our lead technician right now, his name's Kevin, and he was a customer. His dad owns a painting business in Lexington, Kentucky, just south of Ryan there. And they were one of our best fleet customers and still are. His dad still owns a painting business, but Kevin would come in and they would just, they were the customers who just said, just fix it. Let's go. Right. Cause that's culture. And a, a few, I guess about a year and a half later, Kevin's like, Hey, you know, I used to be a technician. We had no, I didn't know. I didn't have an idea. And he said, well, do you guys have any, Part-time work, I'd like to make some extra money. So, yeah, started working after hours, right? And then a couple of months later, he's like, hey, I'd like to go full-time because come to find out, he used to work at a dealership, and the only reason he left, he loved working on cars, is the way they treated him. 
So he saw the culture, worked part-time there, full-time position. Two years later, I think it is, three maybe, he's our lead tech. Now he's training all the other technicians, and we're getting ready to elevate him to more of a leadership role and make sure that everything's going, right? Because as we grow, they grow. So, you know, we're no longer a small shop. So that turned into that. They're still a great account. He moved over from his dad. He didn't leave him high and dry. They hired, replaced, and then we, we grew and put him in a place where he, he's thriving. Great story. You know, we hear that a lot about the dealership thing. And, you know, all, all due respect to, to the dealerships in our industry, um, more and more guys that have either opened their own shop or, you know, came over to the tech side felt that they were just a number. If you treat someone like a number, they'll treat you like one. So, you know, again, I think it goes back to that swing thought of building your culture, uh, family, stepping ladder, you know, no one's a number. People are pe- people are people, and and treat treat them like that. Thank you for that, Barry. Uh, great, great, great points, Ryan. You have the last word. The example would be Dubworks, and we were, I mean, us, you know, maybe three years ago in a much smaller location, probably like a lot of shops out there. I think we had uh, like three thousand, maybe thirty five hundred square feet, five bays, and I think we I think we had a pretty good culture. We had a lot of systems and processes, and. Uh, we were just always kind of bursting at the seams. And as you know, like a lot of places, real estate that allows automotive isn't always the easiest, but finally we had a break and we got a, a much bigger location. And, you know, because we kind of had things balanced out, we were able to you know get that loan and, and purchase and, and renovate that place. And it was, I think it was exciting for everyone because we finally felt like we had an image that matched our reputation that already existed in our culture. Um, but having that, like when I talked about, you know, lighting or space or two racks for tech, air conditioning, all that kind of stuff and, and constant recruiting, you know, we had a lot of people coming in and seeing our shop and we, we certainly spread the word. But as we scaled, you know, uh, hired additional staff. Uh, I think we hired like four or five more people over the past two years. They're up to five technicians now it was monumentally easier to recruit people. Um, and we like good, like a couple of uh, master technicians that left the dealer to come and work for us. Um, another guy who'd uh, worked the parts department at one of our vendors that we buy from, you know, was very excited to come and work for us. Uh, and some of these were, you know, relationships we already had uh, kind of established and people that were kind of already on the radar. And, you know, instead of taking six months to fill some of those spots, I mean, it was, you know, two, three months or even less to, to kind of get that position filled once we had a need for it. So, um, yeah, just kind of having that, that growth happen and having all the pieces in place, I think, uh, like a good culture, systems and processes, um, you know, a beautiful location, the reputation that's out there. Uh, a lot of those things, uh, you know, when you get all those things together, you got a lot of unique value. You know, like Barry said, you got some things that some other people don't have. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot easier to, to grab people. Great pointers today, guys. Dwayne Myers, Dynamic Automotive in Maryland. Barry Barrett, Director of Training for RLO. And Ryan Clode, Dubworks in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thank you to everyone who hang, hung out with us on Facebook and, of course, the Zoom platform. We'll talk soon. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. <laughs>